Cutting through an overload of information to get to the heart of the story. This is The Point. Welcome to the special edition of The Point with me, Li Xin, coming to you from Beijing. Mosul is a city in northern Iraq with rich historical and cultural heritage. It suffered great destruction during the chaos following the U.S. invasion in the country in 2003. In 2018, UNESCO launched a flagship initiative to restore the urban, cultural and social elements of Mosul's old town. Earlier, I talked to Paolo Fontani, the UNESCO representative in Iraq. He told me when he first arrived in the city, there was silence, but things have been changing. How has this initiative progressed? What has been done to rebuild the city from the rubble? Here's our conversation. Tell us a little bit what the UNESCO is focusing on right now. What have you been busy trying to do, trying to achieve in Iraq? In the last few years, we've been working a lot on uh, on, on uh, you know post-conflict uh, reconstruction. Uh, there has been a lot of focus, particularly on education and culture. Of course, um, uh, education has also been focusing on out of school children, uh, focusing on uh, on bringing back those who have lost an opportunity on education. A lot of reconstruction of schools. And for what it concerns our work, uh, um, you know, our flagship initiative has been the one on uh, reviving the spirit of Mosul, uh, which is focusing really on the idea that Mosul was a city that for many millennia has been a center of exchanges, a center of intercultural dialogue, and that all of a sudden was the epicenter of drama and destruction and uh, conflict. So the idea from the Director General of UNESCO was to uh, make Mosul a symbol of uh, renaissance of the entire Iraq, but also probably of the region that has been devastated by the conflict. So since 2019, I'm in the country and we've built a team in order to work uh, hard on the reconstruction of the old historical city center of Mosul. This is the largest program that UNESCO has in the world for the last many decades, I think. Uh, so we are trying to uh, build both uh, historical uh, monuments, uh, such as the Al-Nuri uh, Mosque and uh, Al-Sah and Al-Tahir Church, and also bringing back some uh, heritage houses in order to rebuild a little bit uh, uh, the idea of uh, a city center. And I just mm -hmm. want to add one last element. I mean, the entire idea of reconstructing is this not really about bricks. It's not really about stones. It's mostly about the people. This is why about reviving the spirit of Mosul. It is the idea of bringing back cultural identity uh, and cultural diversity as an element of uh, bringing back peace and reconciliation in the city, making it a symbol uh, of, for Iraq. Uh, and also there's another uh, element, which is the one of uh, uh, economic development. So we are using culture and heritage in order to uh, create jobs, uh, employments, and, and, and revive also the economic fabric of a city. Yeah. When you arrived in the place, how would you describe the state of the city in terms of, uh, you know, the cultural heritages and identity of the people? And uh, what has been the biggest challenge in your work? Well, I mean, the first thing I remember visiting Mosul in April 2019 was the silence. Everything was destroyed. Everything. Everything was destroyed and there was not one single sound because there was nobody. 
Um, so it was uh, pretty impressive, pretty shocking. I've been working in other conflict areas before, but uh, the destruction in Mosul was uh, amazing and there was nobody. You know, there were no cars, no traffic. Everything was rubble and destruction. So uh, when I see it today, uh, you know, uh, four years later, and I, I, I go around the city and I'm unfortunately stuck in traffic jams and there's a lot of people moving around and the bazaars are back and the people are back. And uh, I, I, I think uh, how much we did in four years. Um, of course, our part has been most focusing on on, uh, on historical city center, uh, on a smaller part of Mosul, but the rest of Mosul is also trying to, to, to get back. 12,000 buildings were destroyed and um, we can only bring back a number of them. So we have built this heritage path that goes from Al-Nuri Mosque to the al Tahira Church symbolizing also the idea of different religions linking together. Mm -hmm. And um, along this path, we're building heritage houses. We are doing about 130 of them, from the big ones to the smaller ones. But this is also, we're doing cobblestones and, and uh, electricity and, and everything in order to bring a little bit of a part of a city back to what it used to be before destruction. Uh, people are going back to their houses. They're going back to leave. Families are back. Uh, also some associations linked to culture are taking some of the houses, renting them back. There's commerce and trade coming back. We also have created some startups in the creative industry. So they're bringing young people back into working with music, with art, with, uh, with uh, arts and crafts in order for, you know, bringing back this entire aspect of a city that didn't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. So we're doing concerts. There haven't been concerts in the city for many, many years. And we're doing in the film festival and this is also a pretty new back into life so yeah the big the big destruction of those times was uh, was really um, you know extremely uh, harsh to to look at and so now i'm happy that you know there's still a lot to do but but people are believing that uh, something can be done and everybody mm -hmm. does their job and we are yeah. doing our part yeah, well, it's it's really encouraging to hear the progress uh, with the help of international stakeholders and, of course, the local people and uh, administrators. What has been the biggest difficulty so far for you? And uh, are you getting the necessary resources, the necessary support, the necessary international attention to fulfill your job, to, to do your job on schedule, let's say? Uh, the biggest difficulty at the time, of course, was uh, first of all to arrive and find destruction. Uh, the second one was to try to get everybody who was involved or had to be involved together. Uh, you know, the, the number of stakeholders that have to be involved in the reconstruction of a city is massive. Everybody had to be around the table. So the first months were actually dedicated to that. And I have to say that since then, since the moment we gathered, it took us a few months to build a, a little trust around each other. You know, I'm the newcomer, I'm just arriving. And it's been uh, uh, challenging at times. Uh, you know, you have to gather uh, communities uh, together. You have to make sure that they understand what you're doing. So you try to uh, meet them, to talk to them, to explain, to gather more and more, to use local associations to get to people. Uh, what is it like to try to work on 
uh, antiquities, historical um, artifacts and archaeological discovery. When the whole city was destroyed, as you said, it was silent. You know, basic needs of the people were still to be met. I would imagine housing for for, for ordinary citizens, roads, shops, you know, lives restarting from scratch. Is there enough understanding as to how important it is to do what you're doing, that you're not competing for the very, you know, precious yeah. resources to rebuild the, the city of Mosul. No, I think I think now there is a clear understanding, and I um, I believe that um, everybody has their role. I mean, we are UNESCO, so we are not going to do concrete uh, skyscrapers, and uh, that's not our job. We are not working to to provide people with housing, but. That said, we have put back a hundred families into their homes, and uh, we're going to bring another um, uh, number back in. And I, as I said, that we'd like to continue doing that. Um, we have created uh, uh, economic opportunities. We have employed more than five thousand people, which is a lot of people. I mean, put it into micro enterprises or medium and small enterprises in places like Iraq, that makes a lot of enterprises built in the last time. All of them working on sustainable jobs, decent jobs, paid uh, very well. We employ architects, engineers, not only uh, you know uh, builders and, and, and construction builders. Uh, we employ thirty percent of women uh, in a in a in a field that, as that of construction, which is not necessarily a very female. Uh, sometimes uh, orientated, we have uh, created uh, an economic movement. What uh, people understand, look, we have uh, we are trying to preserve and and rehabilitate uh, a part of historical city center, uh, including uh, different parts of a city with different cultures, different religious parts, in order for people to be able to look back at the, their heritage, look back at their history, look yeah. back at their at their cultural identity, and find it back. Walk back into the streets, see the houses, see the way alabaster was used, stones, the churches, the, the mosques, the schools. We're trying to create a sense of community by giving people back what it was theirs, which is their identity. On top of that, of course, we are building schools. Uh, we have built uh, uh, more than 30 schools, 400 classrooms. We're giving the possibility to children to go back to school in Old City Mosul not to have to travel to the new part of town, not to cross the river, to stay there, to live there. It's our part. It's culture, it's education, it's the creative industries, it's job creation through uh, heritage and culture. That's yeah. what we're doing. Other people will be doing different parts and different things. Some people are rebuilding the bazaars, some people are building roads, but you know that's our part of it. And I think the community is now uh, satisfied. And I think the moment the, the major heritage buildings are going to be back and they can be used by the people uh, mm -hmm. when the minaret is going to be back uh, out of its 55 meters tall uh, 1000 years old uh, minaret uh, everybody's going to feel that Mosul is back having worked in different parts of the world what strikes you as unique in terms of rebuilding Mosul um, do you think people understand the city well enough because we heard mostly about wars what is special about this city that that you think the world needs to know um i think that uh, what what strikes me most about what we're doing is that uh, you know as uh, as uh, as a person coming from a country with a strong heritage and like like you can say the same and, and many other people around the world have their own heritage my heritage is part of who i am and uh, you know when they asked me to come here i thought that how would i react if somebody would come to my place after war destroyed all the churches and 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 palaces of uh, a small city in tuscany 
whether I would just uh, be grateful to them or whether I would say, well, give me food because I want to eat and I want to drink and I want to sleep. And I thought uh, that maybe I could find some food by myself and I could try to find some water by myself, but uh, hardly I could find maybe the resources to rebuild uh uh, you know my churches and my and my and my palaces and my city centers and my squares and my monuments without the support uh, from the international community. And if uh, any war like that struck my country, I would be devastated by knowing that all the those visual elements that make part of my identity are not there anymore. So with that one, I thought, okay, maybe I go and maybe they would be happy. You know that that we are there to to support them. And, you know, I'm telling you that uh, I've never had people telling me why, why you're wasting your time in building heritage and why don't you do something else. Uh, the only thing we have understood from the beginning, but it was not complicated to understand, is that for them, a city is a living thing and for us too. So we're not talking about monuments. We're talking about bringing back life. And, and so, of course, they also wanted schools. And when I arrived in, in, in Mosul the first time, my Muslawi, uh, at the time, not friends yet, they became friends afterwards. But one of the first things they told me was, look, if you bring back school and places of worship, people are going to come back because this is what it's very important to us. You know, bring us back places where we can educate our children and places where we can worship our Lord. And then it's fine. You know, people will come. So... You know, this is what we're doing. It's part of, it's part of, of course, we're building houses so people can go back yeah. to their house. But I'm saying you have, um, uh, you do have an impact and, and, and people are now made only of, uh, of food and shelter. People are made by much more. Otherwise, human, uh, you know, human beings would not have created all that we have because we like to sleep well and, and eat well. It's just because we have other needs and part of that needs is to express ourselves. Uh, to show our culture, to to have our own history and share with the other people. So I think it's part of it. And and by the way, I just want to add that one of the biggest partners we have and one of the other work we do in Mosul is also working with the university. And um, we, we create the possibility to use the Mosul library. It's been there for, for forever. And, um, you know, another big sort of thing is when I go to visit the president of a, of a, of a university, he always tells me, you know, uh, because when I went to see the university for the first time, April 2019, there was nobody. Uh, it's still another, you know, destroyer and nobody. And now mm. I go back and there's thousands of students all over the place. Everybody's around, men, women, young men, young women, just going around studying. And the reality is that before the war, there were 35,000 students and now there are 74,000 students. And... Um, Anecdotically, also, they say that minorities are coming back to the university. But they don't call them minorities, of course, but the people from different uh, uh, communities are actually joining back. Uh, uh, and this is part of what it is, you know. I mean, the university, education, uh, young people going back uh, and, and taking pleasure in learning uh, in a city that is based on learning and trade for centuries and millennia. So yeah, that's that's part of it. And uh, mm -hmm. I think people understood now that that's important. Finally, uh, very, very quickly, um, do you have a message for people? If you have one, what would it be? What would you like to say the most? In this case, I would say that uh, investing into culture and, uh, and heritage, investing into education, uh, it's, uh, uh, it's always worth it. It's always worth it because it's not just about the core of what a human being is, but it's also because it, it really has 
uh, an important uh, impact into uh, economic and social development in any society. Well, I certainly do agree with that. Thank you so much for your time and for that very detailed and very personal description of what you have been doing, what the UNESCO has been doing in the old city of Mosul. Thank you very much, Mr. Paolo Fontani, the UNESCO representative in Iraq. Paolo Fontani, UNESCO representative in Iraq. When we come back, the Iraq National Library and Archives suffered heavy damage in the years since the U.S. invasion. But one man tried to turn that around. Stay tuned. We all enter this world with a universal greeting. <laughs> we then learn to speak. Though our languages, cultures and traditions may differ, we still share one thing in common. We have hope for humanity and the world. German railway company Deutsche Hear the difference. Join our global network to connect with the world. Making room for all opinions and seeing events from more than one side. This is The Point. The Iraq National Library and Archives suffered heavy damage in the years following the U.S. invasion in 2003. Countless books and documents were destroyed or stolen. Saad Eskander, an Iraqi who had been living in the U.K. for 15 years, decided to return to Baghdad in 2003 to work as director of the institution. From late 2006 to mid-2007, he published his diary online recording his daily life amid severe sectarian violence that engulfed the country. What did he go through? What kept him and his team going during the darkest days and what have they achieved 20 years on? So, Mr. Eskender, you decided to return from Europe to Baghdad in 2003 after the US invasion the country was in chaos it was in it was very dangerous why did you make that decision we were a group of iraqi intellectuals who lived in london for years among us were journalists uh, academics painters uh, who wanted to make a difference to go back to baghdad to iraq and to help with the process of, uh, of rebuilding the country. But you went back to the National Library and Archive, if that was the name of the institution. Tell us a bit about this institution, exactly what was housed in there as documents and how important it was, and what kind of destruction was it experiencing when you returned? During the invasion, especially during the occupation of Baghdad, uh, the uh, building, the main building of the National Library and Archives was set on fire twice. We lost about uh, 60% of archival collection, 30 to 35% of book collections. As I said, most, the most damaged in a cultural institution. So it, it needed a lot of work to rebuild the infrastructure, to build the collection, to retrain or requalify the staff. So it was, you know, to start from below zero. 
in a, in a situation where we didn't have a budget, we didn't have electricity, nothing was there. How important were these archives and these documents, these books that you were mentioning? It's to tell the story of the establishments of the Iraqi states and the development of the society and the, the covered, uh, 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 all aspects of life from late 19th century up to 1980. So it was the, you know, the historical memory, the modern historical memory of the Iraqi nation. The archives represent something like your identity, your memory. Without uh, archives, we don't have something in common among the Iraqis. You know, the Iraqis are divided along ethnic and religious lines. Yeah, tell us a bit more about that period of time when you wrote the diary and you published to the world to let people see the um, the violence that you were experiencing. Um, you were talking about your staff being kidnapped and being executed in cold blood. You were talking about bullets, you know, stray bullets coming through the window and stuff like that. How was it to work in that environment? What kept you going? The hardship, the challenges were not just security challenges. We needed, uh, we faced a lot of challenges uh, at different levels. A lack of support from government, insecurity, a shortage of money, shortage of electricity. So we, we needed to deal with all of these challenges. The location of the National Library wasn't ideal. In the front of the, of the National Library was a military base for the American Army and for the Iraqi Army. Behind our building, it was the stronghold of the terrorists, of Al-Qaeda and the Ba'athists. We were in the middle. The distance between my office and the Americans and my office and the tourists is only 100, 200 meters away. So we caught in the middle. When this, the fighting was going on, a lot of bombs and shells hit the building and we could spot to all of these dangers. Did you have moments where you said, I cannot do this anymore, this is just too hard? No, I draw my courage from my staff. I felt I will betray them if I leave. It was easy for me to leave, to go back to London and live a normal life and a good job and so on. I thought it was a betrayal of my staff, a betrayal of Baghdad, a city. It's my city. I'm not going to give up and give it simply to the terrorists. That's the reason I stayed with my staff. It's my country, it's my city, and these are my people. Why should I leave them and not to fight back? So how did you persevere? With what did you manage to wait out the most difficult time? Of course, not waiting, but do whatever you could when you could do them and slowly, slowly make a difference. I started with their morale. First, I democratized the, the way the National Highway was running. There was elections for the head of departments. Uh, I encourage women to perform their own union to fight for, for equality in workplace. There was a radio, uh, there was a, uh, even a gym for them. I provided everything I could for them to, uh, you know, to, to, to normalize their life. At the same time, I tried to train them inside Iraq or send them abroad to receive the training. 
Uh, I did all of that in, in a way that to give a meaning to their task, to their daily work. You know, they are not just civil servants. They are uh, they are warriors, cultural warriors. In such a in such a, a time where your country is facing crisis, is, is your work as important as the work done by the soldiers and the officers? Now, fortunately, the worst time is over. Um, is your work slightly easier? I mean, are you able to retrieve the lost documents and archives? Uh, what is still the biggest challenge for you? We achieved a lot. We got from America, we forced the Americans to send back 100 million documents in 2013. It was shipped out during the invasion and the occupation of the country. I think by March 2013, all of these documents returned to Iran. That was a big victory for us. In your work at the National Archive, National Library and Archive, what is the biggest challenge for now? Is it political will? Is it lack of funding? Is it lack of attention? Is it lack of, I don't know, what, what, what may be the biggest you know, challenge you're faced with at this moment? All of the things you mentioned. Really? No budget, no support, no understanding. Very few people in the countries, especially policymakers, understand the significance of this archive, these documents to the future of our country. Without these records, we cannot review our past to draw lessons from bitter experiences. So we need to go back to study our history in an objective way and to enlighten our population, the new generation of, about the bitter past and to prevent, in order to prevent the reoccurrence of such tragedies in our country. Finally, for people who may be dedicated to preserving national memories, what is your message having worked through the past 20 years in, in painstaking ways? I think the work of librarian archivists is extremely important, as important as a soldier in the battlefield. Without us, there will be no normality. Without us, uh, there is no something in common that will bring different communities together because we are preserving the, the memory of, the, of everybody. We are preserving the identity of the country, especially in a country like Iraq, which is unfortunately divided along ethnic and religious lines. So the work of the archivist is, is I think, is, a, is, a, is, a, is important as any, any politician or policymaker. Thank you very much, Mr. Saad Eskander, for your accounts. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me and giving me this a good opportunity to talk about uh, the Iraq National Library. Thank you. With that, we come to the end of this edition of The Point with me, Lushin. As always, you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter using the handle Lushin in Beijing. You've got the point. <laughs> <laughs>